And I was plunged into this journey of watching my mother gradually slip away at the same time that I was trying to become a mother. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I talk with fascinating, talented, and influential guests who reflect on the adventures and challenges of aging and who are living their lives with vibrance and purpose. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist, writer, and Zestful Ager. And if you like this podcast, you'll love my companion course, Zestful Aging, Simple and Sustainable Habits for Health and Longevity. You'll have access to what I've learned from being a psychotherapist for 30 years and the latest research on what habits really matter and contribute to vibrant aging. Find out more at NicoleChristina.com. Last week, we spoke with Liz O'Donnell, who's the author of Working Daughter, and an excerpt of her book appeared in the Atlantic Monthly. She explores the challenges of having a career, raising a family, and caring for an elder loved one. Check out her online community at workingdaughter.com. And next week, we speak with Bronnie Ware of the international bestseller, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. Bronnie was a palliative care nurse in a former life and paid attention to her patients' final regrets and wishes. Well, I have my Jack Russell Terrier Sparky beside me, my coffee in my hand, so let's begin. Today we'll be speaking with Anne Campanella, who is a horsewoman, writer, and author of Motherhood, Lost and Found. Anne moved back to North Carolina after being away from her family for several years. Ready to start a family, Anne experienced multiple miscarriages at the same time her mother, who lives on the opposite side of the state, began showing signs of Alzheimer's. Welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you so much, Nicole. I appreciate you inviting me. Well, maybe we can start right at the beginning. Can you talk a little bit how about how motherhood lost and found um, got started? What was the impetus? Sure. Um, to begin with, I have been a magazine and newspaper editor and journalist. Uh, for years, and I was uh, very much involved in my career. Um, and my husband and I made the decision to move from Houston back to North Carolina to be closer to my family, uh, as you said in the introduction. And we were ready to start a family ourselves. Um, I had horses. You were pretty, er you were young. I was 33 years old mm -hmm. um, when my mom began showing signs of Alzheimer's. And it was this, at the very same time that I had a series of miscarriages. So I was totally unprepared for what was to come. Uh, the only thing that I did know that was that I was going to write about it. Um, because I had been writing other people's stories for years, and writing was just so important to me. It was my outlet. 
And so I was journaling through many years of this experience. And I just knew that this was my story and that there was a resonance for me that made it deeply important to me. And I didn't realize how much I would be changed by the entire experience. Mm -hmm. I came in as just such a green person, really Mm -hmm. totally focused on myself, not even aware of the many, many issues that so many caregivers go through. And I was plunged into this journey of watching my mother gradually slip away at the same time that I was trying to become a mother. And it just um, sort of took me in a a whole new direction. And I, I was so thankful to have my horses because they were kind of my rock through this. I was able Mm -hmm. to lean on them and uh, just come back to center um, when everything else was spinning out of control. Um, They really sort of grounded me. Had you used your horses before in other situations that were difficult? You know, I actually had. um, I grew up with horses. um, And even I can remember as a teenager, Um, I had both a pony and a thoroughbred at the time. And whenever something bad had happened at school or I was just struggling with the insecurities that every teenager goes through, I would just spend my afternoon at the barn uh, brushing my horses, riding, and I just felt this incredible compassion with their presence. It was as Mm. if they absorbed everything that was going on inside me. And I just felt understood and cared for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are amazing creatures. And I guess that's why they're used um, in therapeutic uh, programs, because they can get through to people who have maybe cognitive problems or developmental problems. Yes, and I've actually seen that because I've taught riding lessons for years, and while I was not teaching uh, people with disabilities necessarily. I just saw it in these kids that I was with because they, like me, they would come from school and they would just have so many burdens they were carrying. And just in the course of an hour or two of spending time with their horses, things just seemed to lift. And I've read somewhere that horses have this ability to uh, match their heartbeat to the heartbeat of the people around them. And Mm -hmm. so there must be something even chemical that goes on that really does change people when they're with them. So when you were going through this in the early stages, having miscarriages, wanting to have a baby and your mom starting down the path of Alzheimer's. Did you go in the barn? Did you talk to your horses or just be with them silently or brush them? I mean, what was that like? You know, I did all of the above. Um, Being close to them was most important. Sometimes I would just lay my head on my horse's neck or on his head and he would just be so quiet and kind of take on whatever was going on with me. Sometimes I would walk out to the pasture and find a place to sit um, or just watch them by the fence. 
Um, and that was so calming and soothing. Sometimes I would ride and just sort of let all the stuff in my head disappear. Mm -hmm. And I would feel like I was becoming part of the horse. And that was such an amazing experience. And that would, again, transport me and lift me to a new place. And Sounds so like it's hard to overstate how important your horses were in this, in this journey for you. Exactly. It really is. And that's why um, they're on the cover. And I, I used the cover image of a mother horse um, kind of seeing her baby horse. They're finding each other in the mist. And that really was a metaphor for what was going on with me and my mom. We were finding each other through the mist, and the horses helped me do that. Was your mom aware that you were miscarrying and grieving th those losses? You know, that is a great question. She was aware in the beginning. Um, the first miscarriage that I had, she actually responded in an unusual manner for her. She'd always been very tender and um, caring towards me. And when I told her I had miscarried, she sort of snapped at me and said, maybe this will make you a more compassionate person. And oh. I was uh, like, oh my gosh, mom, this uh -huh. isn't, you know, I'm thinking to myself, this isn't like you, what's what's going on? And I, I sort of shrunk away from her. Um, and then later, I, as I look back, I thought she was just dealing with her own anger and emotions because she was losing so much of herself. And I, I just didn't know that. Mm. And after my third miscarriage, she really wasn't aware and I didn't want to burden her. So I didn't say anything to her. However, um, one of my siblings told me, and this is when part of the time she lived um, on the coast while I was in the Charlotte area of North Carolina. We were about six hours apart. Um, and one of my siblings told me during that time that mom kept asking if she was having a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. So in an amazing way, she somehow, she was very intuitive. And so she must have picked up on something, even though I had not said anything to her. Mm -hmm. Did you have, besides your beloved horses, who else was there to support you? Well, you know, it's funny. The last time I did an interview, I said that my writing family was very much there. And I had a few, my horse family was uh when I say horse family, the, the riders and the moms who um, were bringing their kids to the lessons, they were very much there. My siblings were there, and I, I did not mean to leave out my husband. He was mm -hmm. traveling a lot and not always available physically, but he was definitely an anchor for me. So mm -hmm. I did have a network of people, even though a lot of friends really, it was hard to communicate what was going on in my life. And they didn't really understand. Um, and, you know, how many times can you say, when someone says, how are you doing? Mm. You know, oh, not very well. My mom doesn't know who she is. She's forgotten uh, how to cook meals. She's forgotten who I am. 
And, you know, those things are just too heavy for most people's daily conversation. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of friends who just kind of drifted to the background. But I did have um, really my writing friends were they uh, they were just so welcoming of everything I would bring to them. We met weekly and I would bring Mm -hmm. my journal entries and um, whatever I was working on that was usually about my mom to them. And they received it completely. Well, hi there, Zestful Agers. I wanted to tell you about an online summit called the Healthy Aging Summit, where I join an amazing group of professionals coming together to teach you how to live with zest and increase your longevity. It's a four-day virtual summit from November 21st through November 24th of healthy aging experts who are speaking on how to overcome age-related challenges or declining mental fitness. And the best part about this online summit event is that it's free, but only for a short while. It's time to maximize your physical and mental health so you can stay active and avoid the pain of declining health. Be sure to register while the Healthy Aging Summit is still free. Just go onto my website, nicolechristina.com, and click on the Healthy Aging Summit banner. I hope to see you there. Thinking about, you know, your experiences, um, and, you know, many people, of course, will will seek a support group or support network for other women who have been miscarried, miscarrying or having fertility issues. And, but it's, it's like, which one do you choose? I mean, there's such two big, um, profoundly, you know, grief filled experiences. And I'm wondering how, how do you attend to those? How do you choose? Okay. I'm going to focus on this one today. You know, that was hard because they kind of just, it felt like grief piled on top of grief. And mm-hmm. when you're in that state, at least for me, I couldn't even distinguish between the two. And yeah. um, huh. so it was just uh, my writing, again, allowed me to just kind of regurgitate what was going on and put it on the paper so that I had a little bit of distance And as I was able to do that, um, somehow in this amazing way, and this is why writing and creativity, um, I'm always drawn to it, uh, it transforms the experience so that somewhere around the edges, beauty seems to rise out of it and you can begin to see, or I was able to perceive different connections that were just, magical really that came to me that made me appreciate life i mean as you're amazingly as i was losing babies and losing my mom i felt such a this tenuous hold on my own life and it was like this beautiful rope that was just encircling me and encircling my heart that just said you're still here and you are loved no matter what's going on. And so I just, I felt so blessed to have that. Mm-hmm. That's a real, that's such an interesting 
way of experiencing it you know not it's not this solid wall of misery as Sharon Salzberg the meditator says it sounds like there were these little cracks in it and around the edges yes. you could see some I don't know <clears throat> excuse me is it hope or yeah you, <clears throat> you use the word beauty something yes something it, positive it felt even bigger than hope it mm -hmm. felt like light it and when you say the cracks in the edges and i've heard the phrase you know the cracks are where the light gets in mm -hmm. i really felt this streaming light as if um really a divine presence and i do mm -hmm. believe in god um mm -hmm. was lifting me up and just saying you know all of this is going on but underneath there's something bigger and um, and what you have, what you're living through, who you are, your life is precious. And so that really kept me going. And I think that was also part of why I felt so strongly that I wanted to write and share this experience with others. Because mm -hmm. I, I started out just in the depths of uh, depression because I really didn't know what was going on. My, my world had been turned upside down. But from that experience, the light began to shine. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, so many other people must be going through this. And I would like to share a bit of hope for them. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think that you would have had to stay very present. And, you know, when we get into despair, oftentimes we want to push it away because it, it's so painful. But it sounds like you were really able to sit there and experience the whole thing, the spectrum of it, the horror, you know, the curiosity, some of the light. Yes. And, you know, I think that's one of the gifts that my mother gave me with her illness, because in order to be with her and to appreciate just the the little moments where she was herself, I had to be present. And even places and times when she wasn't herself, but she was there. If I wasn't present, I was going to miss these moments that would come up, moments where she would say something funny or moments where um, she just would express joy. And being able to absorb some of that just, again, was a something that lifted me. And I had been, because I was had been in my early 30s and working on my career, I was just so driven that I really hadn't spent a lot of time slowing down and being present. And I, I do feel like my mom was, one of the messages she was giving me was, you know, Anne, your life is right here, right now. And mm -hmm. I'm here. And if you want to be with me, stop. And Pay attention. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, while I fought against it in the beginning, as I had many years to process this, I felt like, wow, um, what a gift my mom was giving me. Mm -hmm. The other thing that you've talked about that, that's very important to you that I think came out of this is your um, 
really valuing connecting caregivers with resources. Yes, yes. Um, I have said before that I believe books can save lives. And I was one of those people who, as a kid, as a teenager, as a college student and beyond, uh, good books, and my mom would point me towards good, good books during those years. If I was going through something, good books would just give me a perspective and help me understand my own life better. And so having written Motherhood Lost and Found, I was so blessed to connect with the group All's Authors. Um, I know you've talked with some of those mm -hmm. folks. And um, that connection has just been an incredible gift because it's allowed me to um, provide books for other people, to suddenly become a source for resources that actually I didn't have when I was going through this with my mom. In fact, I can remember sitting uh, on the sofa at midnight, scrolling through um, various websites, looking for personal memoirs about memoir about Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And there just were not many available. And suddenly, I was in a position, um, having become a manager of all's authors, where I could help provide those for people. So you had been the manager of all's authors before your mom? Got, no, no, oh, that I was see. something that came after. I didn't explain I that see. very well. No, but, that's fine. So, so uh, how did that happen? Well, um, after my book came out and was picked up by a large publisher, and they, um, I, I have a wonderful publisher who she actually worked in conjunction with Pegasus and Divine Phoenix, her own company. She encouraged me to seek whatever platforms I could to share my work. She mm -hmm. very much believed in it. And uh, one of the platforms was All's Authors. And I, mm -hmm. I met Jean Lee, and she said, yes, we'd love to have your story on our website. And a couple of months after that, uh, I had been sharing about All's Authors with every community that I was involved with and every book reading that I went to. Mm -hmm. uh, Jean and the rest of the management team invited me to be a manager. They were like, well, she's already doing the work that we do. Let's just bring her on board. <laughs> right, yeah. So, um, and that was just what? such a gift. What What's that like? Tell, talk a little bit about um, All's Authors in case some of our listeners haven't heard my interviews with with uh, Catherine Harrison, and actually Jean Lee has not been dropped yet, but she will soon. Talk a little bit about this magical consortium. Oh, I would love to. Um, All's Authors is basically a community of authors who have written books and blogs about Alzheimer's and dementia for the purpose of shedding light on the disease and supporting others who are going through this experience. And each week we promote um, one author who has written a book or a blog and they tell the story behind their story on the website. And so to be a part of, there's now six of us on the management team 
to be a part of this team where each of us have had caregiving experiences. And then to also, um, I've been in contact with so many authors who are coming to us looking to find ways to share their work with uh, people who are in need. Um, it has just been amazing because before that time, I had felt so alone. Like I was on this journey. Mm-hmm. Nobody mm-hmm. else knew it. I, my my own community was 30-somethings who were so, the idea of caregiving was pretty foreign to them. And now I'm surrounded by people of all ages, really. There's even a, a young person who, um, he wrote uh, a novel about his grandfather and based on his grandfather and how he watched his father be a caregiver. And so just so many different ages and, uh, but people who have all gone through the caregiving experience and know just how difficult that journey is. And they know Mm -hmm. the, the confusion and the sadness and this mix of emotions which again is transformed by our coming together because suddenly mm-hmm. we have this joyful opportunity to serve others and it, it truly does transform the heart. Yeah, it's just, it has been incredible. I was talking to Catherine about the fact that all of you are, you know, there's a lot of space between where you live that a lot of these relationships had started as virtual relationships. Yes. um, That you're all over the country um, and you had just known each other through the, uh, the internet and then you got a chance to meet. Yes, and that was incredible. I actually had a chance to meet Jean Lee and Vicki Tapia a few, oh, I guess it was actually about a year before that. Uh, they had invited me to join them. They invited everyone, but only a few of us could come um, to, to join them in Naples. And um, I remember talking to my, Naples, Florida, I remember talking to my family about it and they're like, you're going to see these people you've only met on the on the internet? Are you sure this is okay? <laughs> and I'm like, well, yes, because I've been working with them daily. I know their hearts. I feel like I know them better than, you know, many of the people that I see on a regular basis. So mm-hmm. um, it, it was incredible. When the, all six of us met in Chicago, that was um uh, we just had many tears because mm-hmm. it felt like we already knew each other. We were mm-hmm. part of a family and we suddenly were able to actually give hugs and, and feel the physical presence of each other. And it just magnified our connection. Yeah. Oh, it sounds so like it's so memorable and so important. Yes. You know, you'll never forget that. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So I, I I was just going to say, um, I know you're working on a, a book about your daughter's celiac disease. And so yes. eventually you, you did get pregnant? I did. And that is at the end of the book. It's part of the motherhood lost and found, that last word. Mm. Um, I, gosh, when I was 40 years old, um, I became pregnant 
was nervous every step of that pregnancy, mm-hmm. um, but was given the gift of a beautiful daughter. And uh, she's now actually a teenager. Uh, so mm-hmm. it has been a while. But um, I lived through when she was first born, a, a fascinating age continuum where I was 40 years old, having given birth to her. My mother had been 40 when she gave birth to me. So I was kind of in the middle of this teeter-totter where I was doing the same things for my daughter, like bathing her and trimming her fingernails and feeding her that I was doing for my mom. Mm -hmm. And each moment I was aware that my daughter might one day be doing this for me and that in the same way backwards that my mom was had at one point been doing those same mm-hmm. things for me when I was a child. So everything was just reverberating the emotions of that time. It was, it was a very intense, intensely emotional um, period, but beautiful. And mm. um, so I share that and I share, there were, mom was around for a few years with my daughter and in the book I share just the, the gradual letting go of her as my daughter is growing and um, kind of preparing for that eventual um, setting free with her. And that was another intense experience, but very powerful and very transformative for me. I'm thinking about how deep your gratitude must have been and your joy having finally this new healthy newborn baby at the same time letting your mom go. Yes. Yes. It was it was such a gift. One of my prayers had been that they would meet each other and I described that moment in the book and that just meant so much that it was possible to bring them together. Mm-hmm. And my mom, even though she didn't usually know whose baby it was, or um, she couldn't quite, she couldn't say my name or her name with any regularity, um, she knew something on an intuitive level that we belonged to her. And mm-hmm. that was just um, special moments, very special. And you've obviously spoken to your daughter about this whole experience. She knows all about it. What's it yes. been like to talk to talk to your daughter about how this all kind of was intertwined? You know, that was fascinating. Um, my daughter actually, um, as I was writing the book, she was involved in some writing projects herself and she very much wanted to read the book. And I think she was about 12 when the book came out and I was kind of unsure whether I should let her read it because I thought, gosh, she's so young. I don't want her, you know, I just didn't want her to feel bad that we'd gone through so many difficult things but I'd always shared everything with her and she had lived through this experience. And I thought, how can I not let her read it? And so she actually spent um, like a a whole day back during those times I was homeschooling her 
and she spent a whole day reading it and she was reading it into the night and I was up at my office working and she came upstairs and as soon as she was done, came upstairs and walked behind me and gave me a hug from behind and said, I'm loved. And I was just in tears over that experience Uh. to just know that she was able to pick up um, the deep love that I had for her and that really writing this story, my desire was to let her know that, um, you know, we had a family filled with love and that she was such an important part of it. Mm-hmm. Which wow. leads into uh, the celiac mm-hmm. mom, my, uh, the book that I'm working on right now. Um, mm-hmm. After Sydney was, oh gosh, when she was five years old, we discovered that she had celiac disease, which for those who don't know um, is basically uh, a serious intolerance and inability to eat and absorb anything, food that has gluten in it. Mm-hmm. And um, our whole family went through a transformation. My husband and I got off of uh, any food containing gluten, and we sort of traveled this this up and down path of figuring out how to navigate a life without gluten when we Mm. had just been so used to not even thinking about what we ate. And so that's, that's my next project. Mm -hmm. Is she uh, contributing to that at all? She has, she has read the whole manuscript and given me some feedback and, um, is, you know, part of her as a teenager is she's kind of like, mom, can we just do this? You know, can you do this when I'm out of the house? But she, (laughs) she knows how important it is to me and to really everyone who has celiac. She's, you know, lived this life. And um, so she has really given me wonderful encouragement and um, details that I think make the story just make it so much better and make it what it's supposed to be. Do you have a new community now, mothers of uh, children with celiac? Well, not yet, but I'm, I'm kind of wondering if that is going to grow. I, I do have a small community of people who just seem to have naturally found me who are dealing with um, various uh uh, food uh, choices, food choice issues, and um, you know, changing diets and things like that. Um, people who are allergic to you know all sorts of things. Um, so there's a small community, but I have wondered if once the book comes out, if <laughs> if there will be a a celiac uh, dot com group that um, forms also. Mm. Could you talk a little bit about the Alzheimer's Inspiration collection as well? I would love to. Um, That is something that I'm in the process of working on now. And we have actually, the Alz authors have uh, collected out of our 180 plus resources, we have chosen um, maybe 35 books that are actually going to be 
going on a dementia cruise, uh, thanks to a generous donor, Danny Hutcherson, um, with the Klein Center, that it's a, a library that he has just created, a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. And Lisa Chirico, who is the uh, producer of a cruise and conference for, uh, it's actually for family members who have dementia and their caregivers. And uh, this inspiration collection was books were chosen specifically for these particular um, family members uh, just to help them on their journey. And so we are thrilled to be offering that and uh, just bringing that to people uh, with the hopes that these books will minister to them in a, a deep way. And so it's it's an actual cruise where people are reading and learning and and connecting around having a family member with dementia yes. or Alzheimer's. Yes, it is a um, cruise. It's actually the connecting circles of care and building bridges of hope. And it will be April 5th through the 13th going to the Caribbean mm-hmm. um, and you know, people who are just in the, the depths of caregiving, I can't imagine a, a better thing to do than to be able to go out into the sunshine and the sea and just be uh, surrounded by a community that is understanding and this conference where people will be get support and information um, in addition to uh, our books that they can read on the deck or on the beach and um, just begin to absorb that they are not alone on this journey. Boy, I'm thinking about your experience at midnight on your couch looking for something yes. to help you um, and feeling so alone. And now you're a part of bringing this conference together in a cruise. It's just isn't you know, it it's, amazing? It's, it, it certainly <laughs> is. It blows my mind. And mm-hmm. at the same time, we're also offering um, the Alls Authors Traveling Library. It's a, a new pilot project that we're doing here in North Carolina, where I live. And I'm accepting books from our authors to create this library, uh, which will basically be a display of Alzheimer's and dementia books. Um, that will go to various uh, Alzheimer's and dementia conferences and events Mm -hmm. just so that people know these are the resources that are available. And Mm -hmm. uh, I have just been amazed because our authors are so generous. They are just, every day I go to the mailbox and there's three more packages of books. I've got stacks of them uh, on my bureau and (laughs) joking with my husband that, you know, I've got to get to the first event quick because I'm getting <laughs> so uh, covered Drop books. some of these off. Yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. wonderful. It is wonderful. Oh. Well, that is, that's, it just sounds like it's brought so much joy to your life and also knowing that you're helping people and what it feels like to know that you're not alone. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that's the core of it. Where can people find out more about you, Anne, and and your book and soon-to-be books? Well, I have a website, uh, www.annecampanella.com, mm-hmm. um, where Motherhood Lost and Found is available. 
And I also have a couple of poetry books that are about um, losing my mom to Alzheimer's. Um, and my book and all of the other Alls Authors books and blogs are available on allsauthors.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my book is also on Amazon. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and put those in the program notes so people can um, can find you and find out more and read your books. And um, because we know that if they haven't been touched by some of these diseases, they, they might be in the future. That is all around us. Yes, yes, I can attest mm-hmm. to that. You can mm-hmm. be going along and all of a sudden everything in your life can suddenly change. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for telling your story and, and spending time with us today. I think our listeners are really going to resonate with this and um, really appreciate hearing from you. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you, Nicole, for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. In this phase of our lives, we're more aware that our time is precious, and we certainly don't want to waste it taking care of stuff that we no longer need, left over from a life that we are no longer living. We know we would feel better with less clutter and more open space, but we don't know how to get there. If this sounds familiar, I'd love you to check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. This course is different than others you may have tried because we give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and tools to help you face the overwhelm and feelings that come up when you're going through your clutter. It's practical and realistic, and the lessons are short and punchy and very manageable, but it has the power to change your life. We all deserve to live in a peaceful home without the chaos of too much stuff. Find out more at NicoleChristina.com. And next week, we speak with Bronnie Ware of the international bestseller, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. Bronnie was a palliative care nurse in a former life and paid attention to her patients' final regrets and wishes. And she is such a sought-after speaker and guest that I had to prove zestful aging was worth her time. So thank you for all the downloads. See you then. <music>